Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta. I am a matchmaker, I am a dating coach, and I am the founder of singleinthecity.ca, and I'm your host tonight and every other night here on the Dating and Relationship Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How does religion play into our sexuality, and why should we look at things in a different way when it comes to this? Tonight's guest is hoping to change the way that you might think about sex and the way that you approach it. Heather Tucker is a Christian sexologist who helps women to unleash their sexual confidence. Tonight, we're going to be chatting about how sex isn't only for procreation, how to improve your sexual confidence, and how you can work on a sexless marriage for more satisfaction. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Heather. I mean, it's about time, girl. Another one of my clubhouse friends and moderators in my sex rooms, and I I love this girl. You're so inspirational, and um, hi. (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Of course, and I'm so happy that you're here. So let's dive right in. You are a Christian sex coach. Why do you feel that it's so important to focus on sexuality and to help other Christians who are struggling with their sex lives and their views on this? Well, the main reason is because none of us are talked to about it. (laughs) So we're left in the dark, you know? No, I mean, seriously, it's like you grow up under the church or sometimes a culture And they make us feel like it's a taboo topic. Um, It's something that's supposed to be private. Uh, My mom even said, don't worry. Don't worry about it. You'll find out when you get married. And I was like, okay, that does not help me at all because I have a lot of questions and I want to be prepared. But none of us are prepared. So we basically get thrown into marriage. And, you know, our husband (laughs) is looking at us like, okay. You know, the animal part of you can come out now. And we're like, uh, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Um, And so we're left to feel like we don't know what to do. We're super confused. And so my my whole goal, my my whole passion with this is I really, really want to um, bring some truths to people who have, you know, grown up in the church and have made uh, sex has been made to feel like it's a dirty, you know, topic, which then it translates into a relationship that we just don't know what's acceptable and what's approved, you know, by God. And of course, the last thing that we want is to ever lose our salvation. But don't you think a lot of us, whether we grow up Christian or not, like grow up not really knowing what to do or when we're put in that situation? Because I feel like we're not really taught a lot about sex in school. Like, nope. Yeah, I mean, we're just taught, like, how to not get pregnant. <laughs> right? How to yeah, like, pretty much, and yeah. diseases to be weary of. Yep, exactly. They basically, like, sex education is, um, here's how to not get pregnant. They pass around the, the basket of condoms, and then here's the list of the, ST, the STDs. Um, and, and, you know, of course, you walk away with fear, so you really don't, even think of sex as uh, something that you can experience pleasure from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's too bad because it is very pleasurable, isn't it, Heather? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so where do these ideals come from? Like, who said that you can't experience pleasure? You, you can't explore this. You, know, you shared with me earlier how you think it's important to read the Bible and to form your own interpretations of it. And you know what? I'm going to actually reread the Bible. I haven't read it in a long time, but there are all these signs, people that keep pointing at reading and rereading that Bible. So I'm definitely going to do that this week. Um, so let's talk about this. So how can we stop these ideals that other people are putting on us, you know, both within and outside of our Christianity, so that we can feel more comfortable exploring our sexuality in our own way? Well, I mean, that's a great question. I think um, we really have to come to terms with the fact, uh, and right now I'm thinking about Psalms 139, where it talks about how God created us in our mother's womb, and he did that on purpose, and he made us unique with our own set of gifts and our own set of passions and desires that, you know, are inside of us. And I think, you know, a lot of times, um, if we're not staying tapped in, whether we're a believer, you know, and grew up in the church or not, uh, you know, to the uh, freedom that God has actually given to all of us to, you know, to figure out what we do like and what we don't like and what's my boundaries and what's my standards, you know, for me. Um, how do I want to feel as I'm walking around in this life? Do I want to feel at peace or do I want to feel like I'm bounded up in so much bondage, uh, you know, because I don't, I don't feel like I have that permission uh, to give myself to uh, do what feels good to me. So, you know, a lot of times these ideals are placed onto us from parents, uh, you know, grandparents, uh, the church, Sometimes it's culture. Uh, sometimes it can even come from media, you know, so different uh, movies that we've watched, um, you know, different radio maybe programs that we've heard. Um, and maybe there's, you know, someone that we admire and, you know, and we hear them say, you know, uh, I, you know, I would never or you should never or, you know what I mean? And so because we admire people, especially our parents, we love our parents. Uh, we think they have the best in mind for us. And so when they tell us, here's how it should be, uh, we, we tend to believe them. And then we, we tend to take their belief system and we make it our own. And we're walking around with other people's belief systems that have really come from their own experiences. But because we haven't had our own experiences, you know, coming up, growing into, you know, um, teen years and adult years and then getting married, um, we, we really have a hard time popping out and actually unleashing what uh, our own feelings are and our own belief systems are. Yeah, uh, but okay, but our parents, right? What we're learning from our parents are getting this information from the Bible, because or from their parents, been, <laughs> right? And from their parents, but like they'll clearly, you know, it clearly states if you talk to a Christian, for example, is that sex before marriage is a sin. Mm. So is mm-hmm. it a sin or not, Heather? Well, uh, like I want to say yes, because that's how I feel. But, you know, again, you know, we have our, we, we need to be open to um, our own relationship with God. And so if we invite God into our life and we know his spirit lives in there, if we're tapped into his spirit, he's going to give us direction on a personal level. And so for me, before I got married, I chose to have sex, you know, outside of marriage. Now, for me personally, that caused a lot of guilt and shame, you know, feelings. And so by the time I got married, I actually felt like I wasn't worthy of having a good, 
you know, healthy sex life within marriage because I feel mm. felt like I had made so many mistakes, you know. But for another person, they they might feel differently. Um, uh, because I went back, you know, in my 40s and read the Bible again, there is a Bible verse, and we actually talked about this earlier today. Um, it's in Malachi. So Malachi chapter 2, verse 14, and it talks about uh, marriage contracts. And so back in the olden, you know, Bible days, uh, a marriage contract was between two people, like two families got together and they said, you know, I'm going to give you my daughter and, and we want her to have your son. And the marriage contract went for one year. And so that covenant, that commitment on paper was for one year. And they actually lived together during that one year. Now, the Bible is not clear about did they come together as man and wife. There's, I have not found anything that actually says that. But, I mean, but if you you're going to live together so, with somebody. No? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to live together with somebody and you're getting to know them, you know, I, I would think that you're going to be <laughs> coming together because they already looked at it as being married within that contract. So let's chat about, you know, some of the things that may be holding us back from exploring our sexuality. For example, you know, like what we're talking about right now when it comes to, you know, sex before marriage being a sin. So what about people that want to have sex before marriage but feel like it is a sin? How should they approach this? Uh, Again, that's between themselves and God. So they will need to go before God and say, is this a sin for me? And if it is, then they'll have to make that decision on pulling back and not having sex before marriage. Okay. So it's a conversation, a personal conversation. Um, All right. And then what about masturbation? This is a a juicy conversation. Um, This also feels like a taboo topic, though, uh, that, you know, when it's brought up in the Christian faith. Okay. So how does God feel about masturbation? I mean, I would think that God would want us to be happy, you know, uh, so do what we need to do to fulfill our own personal needs, especially when we're not really hurting or harming somebody else. What are your thoughts on that? God does not say anything negative about touching ourselves. The church, however, will use scriptures like 2 Timothy 3.2 or Genesis 9.21, and they'll actually say that being a lover of themselves means masturbation or they'll talk about how moses was found naked in the tent and he was masturbating but the bible is very clear god does not say that that's what that means but the church will actually use those scriptures to get to you know to control us to think that we should not be masturbation masturbating so i am pro masturbation all the way i believe that god gave us that right for pleasure in ourselves. We're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to be chatting more about the mindsets that we form when it comes to sex and how to break through these. We'll be back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, with my special guest, Heather Tucker. We're getting back to our discussion on how we can steer away from limiting mindsets, or our limiting mindsets when it comes to sex. One of the most important things that you can bring up that we can shift our mindset around 
the idea of is pleasure. You know, that sex doesn't have mm-hmm. to be for procreation. It's also for our pleasure and, and not just for men. Now, you've mentioned that there are reasons why God created the gift of sex that go beyond procreation. So let's talk about this. Mm. Yeah, this is really, really good because most of us were taught that sex is just for procreation and not for pleasure. And that's why we're holding back on our pleasure a lot of times. And so um, there are six reasons why God gave us the gift of sex. One of them, of course, is to create life. Um, Another one is to uh, have the gift of oneness. And so in Genesis 2.24, it talks about how a man will leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And so it's two separate beings becoming so bonded and so connected together in body, soul, and spirit that God will give them that gift of actually feeling one. That's why when you come together with somebody, you feel their soul. You feel, you tap into their soul. That, that's why you feel that oneness. God created it to, to experience that. The other one is that God gave us a gift of sex for knowledge. And so in Genesis 4.1, It talks about how Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. And so if you go backwards to the original uh, language that that verse was written in, which was Hebrew, uh, when it talks about to know, that's actually the same as sexual intercourse. And so we're actually coming together as husband and wife. We're receiving an intimate knowing of one another that we can, you know, hopefully not have with anyone else. Um, another uh, reason why God gave us sex is for the gift of pleasure. And so most people don't know that the scripture actually talks more about pleasure of sex than it does about being fruitful and about being one. I mean, God devoted an entire book of the Bible, Song of Solomon, to the subject of pleasure within marriages. And there's, there's a lot of passages in Proverbs. I mean, even like Proverbs 5, it talks about Uh, Let your manhood be a blessing. Okay, we all know what that means. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. (laughs) Let her charms and tender embrace satisfy you. Let her love alone fill you with delight. And so, I mean, that, that wife is thirsting after her husband. I mean, she just is. All right. So if God did not give us, you know, this, this gift of sex for pleasure, why are there so many verses? you know, around it. Um, Another gift that we have uh, with sex is that it will help us to uh, defend against temptation, you know, against going outside of the commitment that we have with our partner. So the more we come together and we're creating that oneness, the less temptation that we'll have about going outside um, of the marriage. And then the last uh, reason is that God gave us the gift of sex for comfort. And so it actually talks about in 2 Samuel where David and Bathsheba's son had died. And so while grieving, David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her, which means they had sex. And then they bore a son. And so, you know, lovemaking can be really rich. It has a lot of compassion. Um, It also can help us when we have a hard day. Like if we're stressed out, we can actually come together and we can release the stress, you know, together. So those are the reasons why God actually created sex. And again, there's so many more scriptures around pleasure than there are around procreation. 
I love all of that, Heather. That is amazing. So <laughs> basically, so basically, sex is a really good thing. Um, oh yeah. In the Christian faith, you know, they want you to be married before you have sex, um, which isn't always the case. I mean, right? Like, I'm Catholic. <laughs> I seriously, I I mean, I'm just thinking, like, I don't even really know that many virgins anymore. So, you know, I mean, I think it's a rarity these days. It's funny because I'm dating a Christian guy, right? Like, and he actually practices his faith. Like, and uh, he always says to me, you know, we're sinning. I'm like, why do you keep saying that? (laughs) So should we stop? I wonder if he's feeling guilty. (laughs) Maybe y'all should have a conversation about that. Yeah, he was like, you know, we're sinning. I'm like, okay, do you have to make me feel guilty about it? <laughs> like, keep stringing it up. I'm like, wait, well, we should stop then. Well, no, we don't have to. Okay, but then, Heather, what if we are sinning by having sex, but we can just ask for forgiveness? Can we not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what does that look and like? And then are you really, are you really sorry because... If you're really, really sorry, oh, you're going right. to parameters around not doing it anymore, right? Uh, let, me, let me tell you what happened with, with myself and Chuck. Uh, before uh, I married Chuck, I was at, and by the way, we've been married for almost 21 years. So uh, I was married before, uh, had a, a, an abusive relationship before. And then when we came together, Chuck and myself, because I had already had uh, sex, I had that experience and he did not. So he was actually a virgin when, when I met him. But I was, you know, how I was, I was <laughs> really into it. <laughs> and so I actually tempted him, you know, and all that. And then we came together. Um, but what happened was I actually started to feel so guilty uh, because I had made a commitment to God before I met Chuck. I was like, okay, my next relationship, I'm going to like be abstinent. I'm going to do the whole thing. And I want to like do it up right, you know, according to like my faith. And so I met him and it was really hard to stay away from him, right? But because I have God's spirit in me, the way that God actually took care of this for me, and again, this is on a personal level and a personal experience, and so this might not happen to you, um, but I actually could not keep food down, Laura. Like, I literally would eat and everything would come up. And to me, I was like, oh, you know what? I think this is God's way of, like, purging this out of me. And so I told Chuck, "We we need to get married. We can't have like a huge wedding we can't wait like we're gonna get married or you have to move out because i can't like keep living like this and so he you said guys were okay, living we together married. you were living yeah, together we were living together what was the point yeah, we were of living that, together though? i don't understand what would be the point of living together well, living when you're not together, having yeah. it doesn't make living sense together but... for me was like a way of getting to know him better because mm-hmm. i had made the mistake before of going too fast and the guy that, that I was with before, you know, was all sweet and everything. And I didn't find out he was abusive until after uh, we got married. And so for me, I put up a new standard that we're going to live together. I want to see who you really are. And I said, we're going to do this for a year. Um, but because I felt sick and all that, like every day, I couldn't keep doing that for a year. And so we got married. And no joke, Laura, that same day, I was able to eat a meal and keep it down. So to me, I was like, yep, that's what God was showing me. And again, this is going to look different for everybody, but that's how he took care of it for me. <gasps> you know what? I Everything attacks my belly, honestly. Like if I'm, I'm so emotional when it comes to my stomach, like everything filters through there. 
<laughs> all my emotions because, you know, I was having an argument with my uh, partner a couple weeks ago, and I'll tell you, like, there were a few days there where I felt so sick to my stomach, Heather. And until, like, mm. we were able to talk about it and clear the air, I, I just... I, I think the next day, honestly, it was like a new person. And he's like, you were lovesick. Yeah. You were lovesick. <laughs> well, I mean, that's your well, chakra. There's a chakra in, in our stomachs that that control all that stuff. And so if like that chakra that's in your stomach is off, then you just have to balance it again, which it sounded like for you, that was a conversation, you know, that you had with him. So, yeah, yeah, um, I don't like it. I don't like having any sort of tension in my relationship. And I know it's not something that we can avoid most of the times, right? I mean, there's going to be conflict. You're not going to always disagree, you know, agree on everything. There are going to be some disagreements. But for myself, like, I just, I can't stomach it. Like, I, I just want to clear the air and have a conversation about it, like, quickly and then just move on from it rather than having it stew for days and days and days. And then, you know, of course, it, it, it creates more resentment right so Mm -hmm. i don't suggest that i know sometimes we need to clear the air and and back away and just kind of you know analyze the situation but not for three four five days not when you're in a relationship i I think that can become toxic well and it can lead to sexlessness which i know we're going to be talking about here (laughs) which is toxic a little bit but i mean you know so heather all too often couples fall into a level of comfortability where sex is no longer something that we have you know something um that you understand and have gone through um you chatted with me about it off air can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience and how you and your partner worked through it and maybe what led to it oh yeah well i mean there's a lot of different reasons uh that could cause a sexless relationship i don't think that couples go into a relationship wanting you know that Um, And it is something that happens gradually. And it can be, you know, simply the newness of the relationship wears off, the passion goes with it, uh, stressors come up, long work hours, financial stress, new babies. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. But for us, um, we actually ended up sexless for 12 years. 12 Um, years? And I'm going to be married for, yeah, for 21 coming up here. Um, And so for us, what happened was a lot of different stressors, a lot of uh, losses. And so uh, we had had two miscarriages. Um, our, our, a couple of our teen boys were making some poor life choices. And so there was just a lot of stress in our life. And the last thing on our mind was having sex with each other. And so uh, we actually ended up going to food during that time. So both of us gained a lot of weight, um, which of course took away from our confidence. And we weren't able to even fit you know, together in the same way, like we did, which, you know, caused a lot of frustration. Um, And so, yes, it was very frustrating. I felt very, very lonely during that time. I felt unwanted. Uh, I was actually the one that wanted sex and Chuck did not. And so you don't really hear a lot about that type of situation where it's the woman that has the higher uh, libido and the man has a lower, you know, libido. But for us, that that is the case that, that happened. Um, And then one of the things that actually helped us to overcome this is I started to notice how often I was bringing up to my husband that we had not had sex. Like I was pointing at the calendar and saying, look, I circled this the last time we had sex. It's been like months and months. And I would, you know, put, I would put pressure on him. 
Like, don't you need it as a man? Don't you need that relief? And then I would also show him Bible verses that talk about how we're not supposed to, um, you know, give, get, like, to take sex away from each other, except if we're going to have a time of prayer and fasting. And so there was a lot of Bible verses. So I basically was pushing all of this in front of him. And what I started to notice is that it was pushing him further and further away. Um, he was actually less interested in having sex the more I brought up the conversation. And so at this point, Laura, it turned into nagging. And years later, God showed me a Bible verse that talked about how it's better to live on a corner of a rooftop than, than to live with a nagging wife. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I've been doing. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I made a commitment to stop. And as soon as I stopped, there was space. There was space for Chuck to actually want me again because he knew I wasn't going to make him feel like he was in trouble all of the time. Hmm. So, yeah. I really want to know what happened. So we're going to continue this conversation after a quick break. And uh, we're going to also chat about, keep chatting about sex with marriages and what we can do about them. We'll be back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. It's Sunday night. I'm your host, Laura Bilotta, with my special guest, uh, Heather Tucker. She is a sexologist, a Christian sexologist. We're getting back to our conversation on pleasure and sexless marriages. You were telling me a story on how you got your husband uh, more interested in sex after 12 years of a sexless marriage. So please continue um, with that story because it's just so interesting. So you said that you stopped nagging, so you laid off. So then what? Did you just And you gave him space. You gave him the space. So then what? Did he just one day start initiating? What did that look like? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually exactly what happened. <laughs> So Perfect. basically, yeah, so basically when I stopped the nagging, what that did was it actually made him want to be near me. So before he would actually find things to do that were not near me because this conversation came up so often, it just made him feel like he was failing as a man, right? And so, you know, when I decided and made that commitment to stop the nagging, I noticed that he started to come home from work on time. He wasn't saying he was staying, you know, late that night. Like there was less times of that. Yeah. And then also when he would come through the door, instead of, you know, do you want to have sex? Like that, that was, you know, I took that conversation out and instead I just greeted him. I made him feel welcome. You know, I, I walked out to his car. I actually took the time to go outside, go walk all the way to his car and, you know, I was excited, you know, to see him. And I, I let him know that I hugged on him. I gave him lots of kisses. I would ask him about his day with no conversation about, you know, sex. And then we would come into the house and I would give him the space that all men need when they come home uh, from work. Um, and so I, I said, okay, you know, let me know when you're ready to visit. And so then he would go and do his thing, change into, you know, casual clothes. Um, he would go out into the garage and, and, and piddle around. He likes to piddle uh, and work on, like, machines and, and do some word woodworking and things like that. And so I gave him that space to decompress. And then when he would come back into the house, I could tell, like, his face was more relaxed. Uh, he actually had more of a smile, you know, on his face. 
Uh, and then he would start to ask me, so um, how was your day? And then I knew he was ready, you know, to actually like talk about any stressors or, um, you know, maybe have that space where I could say like, you know, do you have any interest in having sex or whatever? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, doing just those couple of things, it, it made him want me, you know, more. And, and he didn't feel threatened in my presence. And, and he started to feel more at peace being, you know, near me, uh, which then started to prompt him to make, you know, more initiations. You know what? Good for you, girl. I commend you. You have a lot of patience, <laughs> a lot more patience than I think that I would have uh, No. Oh, my God, no. I, 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 I just, <laughs> no. It I does not come natural it. for me, girlfriend. No, it doesn't. Okay. I had to create I had to create patience. I literally, like, was making it a job every day to, like, step into patience because it's not something that comes natural. But it is something that you can create, and it can become a new habit, which is what I did. Yeah, I would have I would have totally taken that personnel, you know. Well, how long did it take him to start making these changes? Was it a month, three weeks? Um, I don't know. It was probably like a few months, you know. And then um, another thing, too, is when he would approach me for sex, I would make sure that I would not say no to him. And so I made sure I, I didn't come up with, like, I'm, you know, not feeling good. I have a headache. Too much imagine stress today. The one, the oh, one, imagine the one day that he wants to initiate and you have, like, a total migraine and you are really sick. I know, right? <laughs> I know. I know. And it, But it happens. It happens. Uh, I mean, I did have resentment, you know, for all those years because I felt like he didn't want me. But, I mean, if I really, like, if the goal was to bring sex back into the relationship, I had to make a decision to not use sex against him, not use sex as a weapon because he had made me angry for so long for those 12 years. I mean, I had to make that decision to not, you know, say no and use, and go backwards and be like, well, you didn't give it to me for 12 years. Like, why should I start giving it to you now? You know, and so I had to make that commitment for myself that when he approached me, I would always say yes. And if I was in the middle of something that could actually be stopped, I would stop. So like, for instance, if I'm on clubhouse and he comes home and he, and he wants to have sex, I will, I will actually leave the room. Like if I, if it's in my club, I will give it over to the, the moderators and I'll say, lead it for the next whatever minute. Ah, you know? that's so. where you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I asked the moderators, I'm like, how many of you have had sex while you're on this stage? And like a few of them are like, it's the real is like, oh, <laughs> I'm actually you're calling on people. Yeah, you're like, where are they? Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> Let's chat about initiating sex now, something that a lot of people have trouble with. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big initiator, and I don't know if it's like just don't want to feel rejected or maybe I just never was. I would feel like the men initiated. So how important do you think that both parties initiate sex? Well, I think the the bigger question is how important is it for both parties to feel wanted and desired? Mm-hmm. Okay, so men probably are yeah. So men are probably expecting women to initiate as well. I'm well, assuming. not expecting. I don't think the word is expecting. I just think that it would be nice for them to know that they're also wanted and desired, and mm-hmm. you know, and I think that it makes them feel. Uh, even more, 
you know, horny, if I could say that word on here, um, you know, when they when they see their woman taking the time to, you know, doll themselves up and put on the lingerie and, you know, stepping into their own sexual confidence and wearing like high heel boots and, you know, putting on the music. And they're the ones that actually have planned this whole thing out. I think that's a huge turn on to a guy. And I think that it's needed and more women need to do it. And every once in a while, just roll over and grab your partner where they like to be grabbed. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, I think both parties should be initiating so that no one is feeling rejected and abandoned because that can come up. uh, Okay, just quickly, because we have to go to break. What if someone is afraid of rejection? Is uh, any tips around that? Maybe just start off slow. Maybe just like. Yeah, I mean, start off slow for sure. Yeah, start off slow. But I would also say if, if there is rejection and abandonment issues from your past, that needs to be worked on with a counselor or, you know, with some form of self. Or someone like yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like literally most of my clients have had that in, my, in, in their past, and I have too. So I, I've actually developed a lot of tools on how to heal, you know, from that. And I love, I love hearing you speak. So we're going to take a break, guys. When we come back, we're going to be discussing how to improve your sex life and build confidence. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, guys, to the Dating and Relationship Show. It is Sunday night, and I'm just having a grand old time here with Heather Tucker. She is a a sexologist for Christians, and I just love our conversation tonight. And we're getting right back into our chat now, um, bringing the sexy back to your relationship. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so now that we've worked take on bow, wow, take a bow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've worked on the whole sexless marriage thing. We've talked about that. Now, how do we how do we prevent things from sliding back to where they were? Like what if we start to feel ourselves going back to the way things were? Sexless. Like, no, don't. um you know what? Communication is a like the key mm-hmm. to staying connected whether it's sexually, emotionally, uh, spiritually, I mean, you have to keep communicating. But again, there's a way to communicate where it doesn't come across as, oh, my God, I'm in trouble, you know, where it's making your stomach get all tensed up. I mean, there's a way that you can talk to somebody, you know, talk to your partner without it feeling like they're being threatened or something. Uh, so, you know, you have to keep those conversations open. Uh, and we have to realize, too, that sometimes our desires Um, And like what we want in the bedroom changes over the years. And so that's another conversation too. I mean, we, we're all growing together. We all, you know, uh, are releasing ourselves from a lot of these, you know, mindsets that we've kept that have kept us playing small and, you know, that has kept us, um, you know, not really tapping into our full pleasure. So the more that we're opening ourselves up to experiencing more pleasure the more that we actually find, oh my gosh, like I really want to try this. I really want to try that. And so those are conversations that you can have, you know, as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, if sexlessness for one person is going to be different for another person. Um, So having those conversations about how often that you think as a couple is normal for you, that's really, really important because, you know, one person might say, uh, we're going to be sexless if we don't have sex every day. 
But then another person could say, I'm totally fine with only having sex once every two months. So, you know, having those conversations about what that looks like for you as a couple is really, really vital. And then just you know, putting a plan around, you know, not uh, letting it go too long. I was like shaking my head and talking under my breath, like going once every two months. Oh, that's too long. <laughs> How about planning a date night every single week? You know, at a certain time, maybe. Yeah, no matter sure. what, that's your time. The time yeah. to get away from the kids, the time for the two of you to discuss, to do whatever you want to do in that mm-hmm. time slot. <laughs> I love them sex dates, man. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, when the, kids, when the kids were smaller and still, you know, at home, because I, I actually have three boys. Two of them are in New York and one of them's here at home, but he's a junior. So I, I'm almost going to be an empty nester. Um, but when they were younger um, and we started to have sex again, I was like, okay, you know what? We have to make sure there's a lock on our door. The kids cannot just come in whenever they want. Uh, we need to turn our bedroom into a place that's just for us. And so, you know, we made that our mission. Even when the kids were like super small, we never let them come in, you know, for anything. But um, yeah, planning those date nights where it's just about, you know, you coming together with your partner and all you're thinking about is how much pleasure can we bring to each other? And it doesn't always have to be about intercourse, right? It can be about, you know, how can we um, just create goosebumps on each other? Let's, let's use like, what do we have in the bedroom right now where we can just put it on our skin and see, you know, how much pleasure we can tap into. So sometimes it's just that. But yeah, it's really important to plan it out, especially if you're busy, you're an entrepreneur, you guys both work out of the home, you've got small kids, or if you're breastfeeding and the kids latched on all the time. I mean, it's really important because if you lose the, the sexual bond, you lose the emotional bond, and then you're completely disconnected, and then your life becomes all about you know the kids, and then you don't even recognize each other at all once the kids move out. After they've grown up and moved out, you're like, uh, who are you? <laughs> So it's really important to keep that connection. Uh, yes. Okay. Now, confidence, right? I mean, lack of confidence, mm-hmm. lack of confidence can really affect our sex life. And boosting confidence is a great way to improve our sex life and our relationship. So, and I know you're all about this because I watch your dancing videos like every day on Instagram. <laughs> now, what can we do to feel more confident? sexually and and to put this into practice with our partners. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, um, you know, sometimes people and partners can help you, you know, to, to help you to feel sexy, but you know, sexiness, like the feeling of sexiness, it really does come from within. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so even if someone mothers you, you know, and compliments and shows you that they think that you're like sexually attractive, it's really not going to make a difference if you don't actually believe that within yourself. Right. Right. So, I mean, you can be confident in your sexuality. You can, you know, enjoy people's compliments and, and all of that. But if you're not actually taking the time to feel sexy, you know, that's not going to show up in the bedroom. I mean, it's just, it's not, you know, so Figuring out how, for you as an individual, you can tap in to feel sexy. So for me, I actually love to dance. 
And so I take a lot of sensual dance classes, burlesque, heels classes. Um, I also take hip-hop sexy fit where they combine hip-hop and then sexy. Uh, And I really have gotten comfortable with touching my body you know, through those classes, because I wasn't comfortable touching my body, I would avoid touching my boobs and touching my privates, even in front of my husband. And so taking these classes has really helped me to open myself up to the sensual part of myself so that when I'm in front of my husband, now I can, you know, perform some of these dances, I can do a little strip tease for him, I can do a lap dance. Love it, Heather. Does he love it? Oh, my God. He's, like, drooling all the time. Um, and he looks forward drooling, to when literally. I routine. Yeah, like, he looks forward to when I drool, uh, or when I drool, when I, learn, <laughs> when, I learn a new, when I learn a new routine. He loves it. Um, and so, but maybe for you, it's standing naked in front of a mirror and really admiring the body that God gave to you. You know, maybe you get a hand mirror and you sit down and, and you're looking at your private. You know, and you're really getting to know your own body and just admiring it and thanking God that he, you know, gave you this body and that you can tap into pleasure. You know, maybe for you, it's turning on, I don't know, a heavy metal song that um, like some people really like Nine Inch Nails um, and and they really like that style, that vibe. And so they, they really will tap into like, you know, their sensuality through a certain type of vibe of music. For me, it's R&B. So, you know, figuring out what that is and then tapping into that really, uh, you know, before you actually come together and before your clothes are off. So that way you're showing up as the highest sexual uh, charge version of yourself that you can. Heather, what a fantastic show. Um, Where can people learn more about you and what you have to offer? Sure. Uh, I actually have a program called Sexify Her that will help to tap into all of the areas that we've covered today. Um, unleashing your sexual confidence and more. You can find out information through my Instagram when you go to the link in my bio. Uh, my Instagram handle is Sex Coach Heather. I love it. Sex Coach Heather on all platforms. And if you want to get a hold of me, it's official Laura Bellotta on Instagram and on TikTok. And please come and join Heather and I under the Single in the City Club on Clubhouse any day of the week. Thank you so much for being here, Heather. And everybody, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. Appreciate all of you. Ciao for now.